0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: 708 on CJAD. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with my co-host, Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. How are you, Josh? Excellent, Dan. Great. And today, uh, we're talking phones. Uh, well, specifically, uh, inbound phone calls. And with us from Image24 is Gary Blair. Gary, welcome to the program.
2: Thank you very much. Glad to be here.
1: So, as usual, Gary, we start by asking our, our entrepreneurs, what is it exactly that you do? Tell us about Image24.
2: Well, Image24 started out uh, 43 years ago as a, a telephone answering service, and over the years has grown into a, a full-center call center, so corporate inbound stuff. We answer for... Uh, just about any type of industry and uh, we respond to client calls, we respond to uh, inbound emails and um, handle them on behalf of our clients when they're not available to do so themselves.
3: Is this Has this, I guess, product or service evolved over the years? Tell us a little bit about kind of the beginning of Image24 or whatever it was way back when. Uh,
2: way back when it was a telephone answering service and it certainly has evolved tremendously over the years. We used to answer on switchboards that were rented from the phone company that were made by uh, Northern Telecom, and so if you think about uh, Edith Ann, and you think about her as the switchboard, that's basically what our operations looked like 43 years ago. Uh, they've changed over the years. Uh, the equipment is now owned by the firm uh, ourselves, and it's completely computerized. It's uh, it's the assistance that we have from the technology side of things makes our the work of our agents so much more easier nowadays, and allows us to do things that, I mean, I, we couldn't even have imagined when I was a kid out of school and joined the firm. Did you start this company? Was it a predecessor? Uh, it's a fam- Where did it begin? Family business. Uh, we started by my grandmother and my dad and my mom at the time. And uh, I joined the firm uh, almost immediately out of school. And as it normally is in family businesses, I worked in the business ever since its inception. So I used to go in wash floors. I would type invoices uh, because in those days everything was manual. And uh, so I, I literally grew up in it.
3: That's interesting because we hear a lot of businesses where the kids come in to the operations and some of them have their silver spoon and start at the top and kind of get their, their feet up on the desk and have a, a big chair. But there are many others that actually the more successful entrepreneurs that we hear about, Dan, mm-hmm. really started from the bottom and, and, and just learned their way up. Uh, Gary, how, did you feel that that was the, the right way to go? Did you ever want to maybe work not for your parents and maybe start somewhere else?
2: Uh, I probably had about seventeen career choices in mind when I was in, in school. My dad used to tease me. We used to have Sunday dinner together um, as a as a family every every weekend, and my dad would say at one point, "So, what are you going to be this week?" I have a thirst to learn. I love learning, and so there were so many things that I found interesting. I, I kind of fell into the family business. I think at a point in time, my dad was very much a family oriented man and he really wanted to bring all of his kids into the business and so uh, it it was comfortable it was easy and in as much as starting from the bottom I literally started from the bottom and not because I was a kid before I graduated school working in the business my dad had that philosophy he felt that if you didn't know the nuts and bolts of a business that you would never be able to really manage it properly one day
3: and was he there to guide you or did he kinda leave you to your own device and and really just learn it on your own uh, a little bit of both,
2: he kind of had a balance in that in that way. I mean he really wanted me to be successful. He wanted my brother to be successful. My brother worked in, t- in the business up until last year. Uh, he passed away last year. Um, and so he he gave us what we needed instructionally and then let us loose.
3: Now we, you know Dan, we've always talked about father and son of how management styles can differ greatly. Um, Gary, you' you and your dad, different management styles. Are we talking opposite extremes or were you on the same page?
2: Um, We had very different management styles. Uh, We really did. We used to, um, you know, we we clashed on a lot of items. Uh, My dad was definitely of a certain uh, generation and a certain mindset and I tend to think that I was different, I was automatically different because I was a different generation, but then I've always tried to keep very current about that. Our business is all about the people that work in it. and so you know trends change in business the way that you deal on the HR side with folks and whatnot um certainly the priorities of younger people coming into my company are very different than when I even when I was uh, joining the firm so we disagreed a lot on that but the principles of how to run a business organizationally structurally those sorts of things we we had a lot of common ground as well how did you deal with
3: the disagreements was it an outside party did (laughs) you know whatever dad said was because hey he controlled effectively
2: it was the latter. It was, you know, I, I had a lot of respect for my father. He did not come from a family that was able to, to give him a lot of uh, benefits when he, was a, when he was a kid growing up. He basically came from a very poor family. And he left school when he was in grade 8. He made his own life. He was one of those self-made men of, you know, a certain generation. And I respected greatly that he, you know, the business that I worked in was something that he started from scratch, not that I did. And I wonder sometimes to myself whether I would be able to have done that or not. Now I'll never know the answer to that question, but in that light, I've watched a lot of people create business, and it's not an easy thing to do. Otherwise, I guess everybody would be in one or own one. Um, And so, at the end of the day, when my dad said, "Ultimately, it's my decision, and this is the route we're going to go," I went along with him.
3: And if and uh, the listeners don't know this, but your dad uh, is no longer with you or with the no, my dad passed away last year as well. So there is definitely a transition issue, not not just from uh, I guess father son. It's it's owner. It's it's partner. There's there's a lot of issues, and I guess that you had to work out or get to know or take over. You know, with the mutual respect, and and you're certainly your team and employees. And when we come back uh, from the break, we'll explore that a little
1: further. Today's entrepreneur on CJAD with our guest Gary Blair of Image 24.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants, and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: 717 on today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller, with our guest Gary Blair of Image24. And Josh, we're talking about uh, how business uh, can survive when its founder, Passes away, and certainly when you're passing it on to family, you want to sort of keep the same rhythm and uh, a lot of challenges, Gary. Uh, in that respect, how were you were you able to keep the same structure that your father put in place, or did it change sort of uh, depending on on your management style? It's in the process of changing right now.
2: <clears throat> As I said, we we had some differences in terms of the way that we saw
1: doing business
2: and uh, and so forth. And so uh, now that I'm leading the firm, uh, we have created a. Um, Uh, an internal committee within the company to review everything that we do um, with the intention of making whatever modifications that we see would be beneficial for the business nowadays it really couldn't possibly be done when
3: my dad was sort of at the top did you have an issue of did you find the employees looked at you differently being the son of the owner or because you had started really from the bottom uh... and you were you were really rolling up your sleeves and working that they you you were did you, did you get respect from him, I guess is my ultimate question. Uh,
2: I, I think I did. I'd like to believe that I did. I've always felt a, uh, a need to have a lot of respect in the, you know, a, a, to create a professional working environment. Uh, I think now so more than ever, that's a necessity if you want to get the respect of your staff. You can't do anything about getting respect except for earn it. That's something that I've always believed. And I can't demand something from my staff that I'm not willing to show first and foremost in terms of any kind of a role model. And so I think that's ultimately important in, in every business. And certainly, again, and
3: it isn't ours because our business is all service, and so it's all about the people themselves. And I think that leads us certainly to our next topic of human resource. The business is service. Your team is you're probably your number one asset, maybe your number one expense. Um, how do you find them? How do you deal with them? How do you include them? What's your secret? And what have you learned along the way about what works and what doesn't work? With regards to your human resource,
2: well, they they certainly are the most important thing in the organization, and they are the largest expense. <laughs> um, I we we've, we've been extremely fortunate. Um, tried to groom from within number one whenever whenever it's been possible, and uh, we have a long-standing tenor for a company of our size. Uh, the The average tenor is actually quite long. Our clients are always very impressed, when we come. And we make a point of of when I make introductions about telling the clients how long each member of our staff have actually been working for the firm in service it's ultimately continuity is so important and so if you are if you're going to deal with a service-oriented firm you want to know that people aren't flipping over every six months or every year because just by the time the you know, the individual, the staff member gets used to the client and vice versa. You've got somebody to start over from and you're starting completely from scratch because you, you. a lot of business is about relationship. It's not just about knowledge and that sort of thing. You need to know your clients. You need to understand where they're coming from. They're all individuals. They all have different buttons that, you know, work differently for them and so forth. And so that that's really important for us.
3: How many employees are you approximately? 46. Do you do formal evaluations? Do you check your employees? Do you give them reviews on a periodic basis? On an annual basis. Our our center staff, our agents are actually reviewed on a quarterly basis.
2: All of our admin staff are are evaluated on on an annual basis, a formal evaluation
3: process. Has that always taken place or is this something that's newer? That's me. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) One of the changes, I guess.
2: (laughs) Well, we've been doing it for longer than just the last year, for sure. But it's something that I had to struggle to put in place. It was something that my dad saw very differently. He was a man who used to say to his bankers, his accountants, and his lawyers, that I fly by the seat of my pants, but I know where I'm going. Don't worry about me. And that works for some entrepreneurs. It definitely does. I've met a lot of entrepreneurs over the years, and there's a lot of commonalities between them. Um, It doesn't work for most staff members, though. Mm -hmm. Staff members need more concrete. They need to hear more feedback. They need to know where they stand. They need to know if you're happy. They need to know if you're unhappy. They just need to know where they stand. Do you have different generations in your office (laughs) yes we do we definitely have all three and that's a challenge unto itself Uh, our national trade association has recognized that fact actually and a number of years ago they started giving a fair number of uh, presentations on exactly the differences between y's and x's and my
3: generation which i'm not even sure what we call it well baby boomers i guess and did you develop a different style or are your evaluations kind of created in such that you're really addressing each generation or well
2: trying to it's a bit of a struggle it's a hard thing to do because what i found uh, as a owner manager all these years is that i try and make allowances for my staff i know what everybody's weaknesses and, and strengths are I, I know what my own are and i think it's very honest to be you know, i think it's very important to put those on the table so that everybody recognizes what they are it's the only way that we can address any of them and it's interesting because when I've made allowances for certain people's weaknesses, knowing what they fully, what their strengths were and that their strengths way outweighed their weaknesses, I found sometimes some staff members who don't get that same allowance tend to take it badly. <laughs> and it's a challenge. I mean, running a business with staff is, I mean, just, you know, human
3: interactions, they're always a challenge. But being direct and opening their eyes uh, can certainly reap benefits going forward. Now, you mentioned trade association, which uh, I'd really like to go into because every every entrepreneur and, and businesses have their trade associations. Some are, they find more important, some they find less important. I'd love to get your thoughts on it after we come back from the break. <laughs>
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants, and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.25
1: on Today's Entrepreneur. Our guest is Gary Blair of Image24, and uh, we want to talk a bit about uh, trade shows and trade associations and the importance of that. Um, Depends on the profession. Some are, I guess, Josh, more important than others, but for Gary, I think certainly uh, keeping an eye on competitors, keeping an eye on new technologies is pretty beneficial to you.
2: Yes, it absolutely is. We have a wonderfully active trade association. It represents call centers from right across the country. Uh, my dad made it a point of joining the trade association as soon as he started the business because he just knew from his previous business background that that was the place to learn. Just go and speak to the people that were in the business, learn from them, share with them. Um, you know, offer his own uh, you know a point of view on things and so forth. Our trade association is kind of unique when I talk to other people because although we are competitors, when I first joined the business. Um, there was a restriction in terms of who you could take on as a client and it really was a geographical restriction so you could only have clients in the proximity of the area that you were actually operating in and so our trade association was something where we could come together as uh, call centers from across the country and talk very openly because there was there was nothing to worry about in terms of competition that sort of thing that's changed tremendously over the years Uh, nowadays my customers are everywhere on the planet Uh, i mean principally our clients are canadian we have more and more american business all the time but right across the country and as a result of that what's happened over the years is people are a little bit more restrained about the information that they'll gladly share when they come out to the shows and the conferences and that sort of thing but that still said the amount of sharing that goes on is quite incredible when again when i talk about the very the very very competitive nature of other fields, and when I get feedback from those guys about what their associations are all about.
3: Now I would imagine that uh, there, you know, the trade association certainly has many members, and maybe a little less today. I don't know if there are any consolidations, but I presume there is a core group, some guys that you, you know, communicate or meet with on a more frequent basis, or you connected with so you guys feel comfortable sharing that information, less as competitors and more as collaborators.
2: Yes, absolutely. In fact, uh, because we're located here in Montreal, and this is where our roots are, Um, Our agents, our center is a bilingual center, and I have developed relationships with centers right across the country who are working mostly in their own regional areas, and when they want to do national business in Canada, it's important that they have the French component. They're not able to find French staff in the regions of Canada that they operate out of, and so what they basically do is they hire us for the French side of their business. So if we're able to get the
3: national account ourselves, then we can get the whole pie, and if we can't, we get a piece of it, and we're, we're happy to have either. And a gentleman's agreement that you try not to step on each other's toes? Absolutely. And I'll tell you that there's a lot of gentlemen and gentle ladies in this (laughs) business. Well, that's certainly an excellent resource to have. Uh, I imagine on a technology standpoint, it also moves so quickly. You must compare what's working, what's not working, and certainly the changes along the way that's probably one of the greatest challenges outside the HR side of running a center nowadays. Uh,
2: The technology like I suppose in everybody's field is changing so rapidly it's incredible and it's not just the technology you're using today but it's what's coming down the pipe in six months from now and in a year from now and so depending upon what you're willing to invest in equipment, time, training, etc, etc, is it still going to be relevant in a year from now is the question that you have to ask yourself
3: all the time. And, And I think technology is a huge aspect that we're going to explore a little further right after right after the break but certainly also rebranding because then image 24 wasn't always image 24 mm-hmm. uh, if anybody recalls the name telepage well that's something that the company used to be called and still called maybe to the familiar people today but we'll talk about the whole rebranding and that
1: experience from gary when we come back all right gary blair of image 24 our guest on today's entrepreneurs
0: for professional advice with a personal touch consult fuller landau chartered accountants and business advisors click on flmontreal.com
1: Coming up to 7.35, welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau, and our guest is Gary Blair of Image24, an inbound call center. And uh, we're talking with Gary about some of the challenges uh, facing the industry, keeping up with technology, uh, having the right people, Josh, and uh, and having the right organizational structure. And certainly uh, in terms of in terms of people, it's it's we were mentioning to Gary, it's kind of interesting to, to, to have... This business in Montreal, where you have bilingual staff, um, how do you go about recruiting that staff? And do you have a, do you have a process uh, that um, I guess to weed people out because uh, it's a, it's a it's a profession that requires a certain skill set?
2: Uh, it certainly does. Um- and we've been working on that process and perfecting it probably for about 25 years, and <laughs> gotten pretty good with uh, with it over the years. We, we at started, least was one or two of the generations. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we started. Uh, recruitment is the number one most important thing for us uh, in our business because we, it takes a long time to train an agent. Uh, we have over 600 clients, and so for us to get an agent fully trained to be able to respond to any of those clients' calls, it takes about six months. And so you want to make sure that you find the right. Canada that's going to be in the chair for a couple of years with you, if not longer. Um, agents do have a shelf life. It's generally a job which is considered to be a, a, a level entry job. And so we do know that our agents are likely, the really smart ones are likely to move on past us. We want to know that we have a lifespan of at least three years and hopefully five years. And we do have we do have some career people that have been with us for 15, 20, 25 years. We have one agent is going to be selling, celebrating 35 years with us this this month, in fact. Um, and so we spend a lot of time in the recruitment process and we moved to something which is called group interviewing last year and what we do is we we involve level deep into our organization when we're looking for candidates and we bring them in in a group so we will set up a group interview with about six or seven or maybe up to eight candidates maximum we tell them that it's a group interview and basically the questions that are asked in that are non-direct they're not the type of questions that you might normally ask in a one-on-one interview um... we give them a brief explanation about what the job is and then we try and draw out of them what their character is because character is really what we're looking for and um, we've, we've developed questions around that that help very much. We want to find the stars. We want to find those rough diamonds. And uh, one of the questions at the end of the interview is, if you were the person hiring right now, which of the people sitting around the table would you hire? Hmm. Um, that's so a, that's a tough question. <laughs> it's a tough question, and the answers are really interesting sometimes. Do they uh, you themselves? can get thrown. <laughs>
3: I, w- I would imagine that memory... Has got to be an important factor, but maybe less so today with the technology. How has that technology change affected the people that you recruit? Uh, excellent question. It's changed dramatically over the years. In the
2: uh, in the olden days, when we were yeah. uh, <laughs> when we were on some of the previous operating equipment that we had, it really it really boiled down to how good an agent's memory was, because you could have reams of information on one client, and what to do in different thing, in different scenarios, and what to say, and how to proceed, and so forth. And so, rather than just have a lot of dead air when an agent was sort of researching something and looking through a, a you know, sort of a, just a one big long script, no matter how easy you tried to make it, it was hard. It was it was a much harder profession than it is nowadays. We replaced our switch equipment five years ago. Uh, we bought state of the art. Um, It is an incredible system and everything now is very heavy on the programming side and much more easier on the operating side. So the mantra in our organization has now become that the, the easiest job in the company must be the frontline people's job. And so the, the system, the, the accounts are all scripted, depending upon what a caller is going to respond in terms of a particular question an agent asks, might bring an agent into an entirely different script. So if the client says yes, you're gonna go into a yes script. In other words, once the agent presses on yes, it automatically populates
3: the next the next question that's coming up, where, where they go. So the, the trick is not to make it sound canned when they're right. talking on the phone? Right, and that's the art that we have to teach
2: them now. Um, We have color coding in the system for different things. Uh, A green code with script in it means you must read this verbatim word for word because it's legally required by the client or it's ultra important that the agent says it word for word. Other than that, we train agents to follow the script, but to personalize it. And everybody has an individual character. You, you, You discover that early in the training process, and
1: that's what you nurture and you bring out in them. I was going to say Gary has seems to have a very soothing voice is that something that you encourage i mean is does it does it get that that minute when he when you talk about the details um
2: well my dad worked in radio actually ironically enough many many years ago and he used to drag me when i was a little kid down to actually cjd studio he worked for standard and um, he taught us he taught my brother and my sister and i had a how to answer the phone when we were old enough to actually pick up the receiver we were taught that the phone the 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 handset of the, of the telephone was actually a microphone and so he taught us distance to you know speak into it how to speak how to enunciate those sorts of things so um, he never did radio, he never did actually broadcast himself, he was always working behind the scenes, but definitely knew the art of um, of how to speak and how to enunciate and that sort of thing and, and taught all three of us.
3: We'll we'll get to the, the rebranding in just a second, but uh, my one question before that is the advancement of technology, did that help you sell better to customers because it was easier for them to understand and get the benefits?
2: uh absolutely i i don't think unless we had changed our technology we'd probably still be be in business uh right now it, it's the the world is so much more demanding the 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 actual um origins of the company in the telephone answering industry was to take simple telephone messages, was to take a name and a phone number, and we don't do any of that anymore. That just doesn't exist out there in the world, real world. Technology has replaced that many, many moons ago, and so our client applications nowadays are more about disseminating information, gathering information, walking people through websites, um, things that we just never even dreamed of doing many, many years ago.
3: Now let's come to rebranding. In, in the next few minutes your name today is Image24. Your name prior was, or is, or was, telepage. What was the process? What, was the, what were the thoughts behind the entire rebranding? Well, the one thing that we didn't touch on today is that TelePage and Image24
2: still to this day is both um, a call center as well as a radio paging or a paging a beeper business company. And um, that was very much a part of who we were for many, many years. We started in the call center business. When my dad jumped into this, he recognized early on that many, many of our customers, let's say upwards of 60 to 70%, if not greater, were actual users of pagers as well. Because in those days, cell phones didn't exist, faxes didn't exist. I mean, so much of what we take for granted and nowadays didn't exist he saw an opportunity there were very few players in the market at the time he took a lot of money and went to an engineering firm and said i want to put myself up a paging network and did and we ran it and we still run it today it's it's a product which is in decline obviously it's being it is being replaced uh, daily by lots of other different technologies and so forth so at the time that it was a really hot item and we were getting into it we wanted to create a name that really identified both of our product Aligns so tele representing the telephone answering service and Page representing the paging business. We did a study not that long ago where we determined that less than ten percent of our clients are now users of both products, and so we thought it was time for us to really re-identify our call
3: center um, side of of things. Is this something that you outsourced? Did you realize it internally? Did you? Uh, was were, were any part of your team or your staff involved in any of this?
2: Uh, most definitely. It was kind of a consensus that we had come to internally, and we brought in a marketing firm from the outside world, and uh, they, you know, they they've helped us, you know, held our hands right through the whole process, and and helped us develop the name that we have today, Image
3: Twenty Four. Were you on board? How much of this was driven by you?
2: Oh, there's a. In terms of if it was a difference between my how my dad and Yeah, I saw this, exactly yeah it was a hundred
3: percent on my side yeah. <laughs> Did you start this, uh, forgive me for asking, but did you start this process before your dad passed away? Oh yes, he was an integral part of the process and
2: uh, actually I think once it started he was really on board and really enjoyed the process and we both, him and I, unanimously agreed on the name. We had several to select from and we really hashed them out and at the end of the day we both picked the same name so no, dis- no disagreement on that side.
3: And the, the forms of media that you're deciding to use that, that might best suit the way to get the name the rebranding out there how are those choices made and what are you using that works
2: uh basically we don't have a large marketing budget the margins in our in our firm are are, it's a it's a it's a business but we don't have a large marketing budget per se so we are doing it a lot um just by virtual presence on the internet most clients i mean I would say that probably seventy percent of our business comes from client referrals and people who will find us. Traditionally, they used to find us in the yellow pages when there were paper directories, which I think everybody knows that that's pretty much dead. Um, internet is the way to go, and so uh,
3: that's where we've spent the lion's share of our of our uh, marketing dollars. And is this something you're constantly doing internally, or the are any internal people driving that? Call it social media or internet or are you still outsourcing it? We've outsourced that,
2: yeah. We're an outsourcer, and so we appreciate that outsourcers do the job better than anybody internally in most instances,
3: and so we decided to outsource that. Advisors, using outside advisors when you know you don't have it inside. That's it's certainly a, a great lesson to be learned. Know what you can
1: do, know what you can't, and then go from there. Gary Blair of Image24, our guest on today's Entrepreneur, and after the break, Josh will bring in Kevin Ammerman to talk some IT issues.
3: And I think we're we'll talk about some challenges in bringing out new product and new software and things to look
1: out for and things to plan for. All right, that's coming up next on Today's Entrepreneurs.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants, and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: 7.47 on CJD 800. Today's entrepreneur presented by Fuller Landau. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar, and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you. Our guests, Gary Blair of Image24. And also, we welcome Kevin Ammerman back to the program, IT specialist at Fuller Landau. How are you, Kevin? Fine, thanks. Good. Now, in a business like Gary's, of course, software and, and computers and all this uh, this technology becomes very, very important. And upgrading it becomes also important. And why don't we start by sharing your story, Josh. You had a recent uh, hardware upgrade issue, let's just say, from a certain uh, telephone yeah. manufacturer from <laughs> Waterloo that will remain unnamed. Uh, so how did how did you guys deal with that? And when you have a brand new piece of machinery that you rely heavily on, suddenly conks out, uh, you, you got to have a backup plan, right? You got to have plans A, B, and
4: C, because uh, whenever you bring anything new into the office, you got to count on things going wrong. You got to have... Uh, somebody either you got to rely on your early adopters and and their or, good nature. or guinea pigs by the way for that guinea matter pig sacrificial lamb something along those lines <laughs> and uh you got to really rely on their good nature and their ability to roll with the punches because things will go wrong there's going to be changes and uh you got to make sure that uh while you're doing your best to bring these new and fun and hopefully very productivity enhancing gadgets into the office uh you have to have uh you, you got to
1: make sure that they don't disrupt the office as well. Mm. Gary, what's your philosophy on new technology? Do you are Would you consider yourself an early adopter, or do you sort of take a more wait-and-see approach?
2: A uh, bit of both, yeah. Um, you know, I, I stay on top of technology, so I know what's coming down the pipeline, and especially in particular in our industry. Uh, we're not a beta test site. We could be if we wanted to be, but I really don't want to do that to my clients. So when you are really customer service-oriented in that regard, I'll take a second spot in terms of um, making sure that it's... It's, it's going to be solid.
3: And and me being this guinea pig or sacrificial lamb, as Kevin put it, uh, with this new smartphone product, uh, I'm, I'm a gadget guy, and I love, I love the early adopter and try and test things out. But I think what's important is, and Kevin can elaborate, is the backup plan, is the testing it before and making sure things happen. So perhaps, Kevin, you can elaborate a little bit on areas or ways that that, that businesses or entrepreneurs should ensure things are tested out or have backups
4: in case things go awry. Well, sometimes what we see is an office will be sold on a new product or technology, and they'll, they'll roll it out overnight and make sure that that initial transition is as easy as possible for their staff. And if everything goes well then that's fantastic. But all too often things will things will go a little bit sideways. And uh, it's it's how quickly they can react and, and get their people back in contact with their clients, as it may be, or or whatever the nature of their business is. That's really what sort of tells the tale about how things are gonna go, because there's there's always problems. You gotta count on those things going wrong.
3: And if it's new technology or new software, how do you find the specialists of the service providers that are that have come out with it are they do you find them helpful or you got to kind of rely on your own devices
4: we really see that it's a learning process on both ends so as as we call for help and and try to escalate things um, we find that the the frontline support is basically non-existent you really are on your own when you're when you're playing with these new devices um, as you get higher up the food chain in terms of support yeah you get a little bit more uh... depth to the knowledge but they are experiencing new circumstances all the time as well. So it, it, it does become a bit of a problem, and, and you got to be prepared as a business to work with those providers and, and allow them to you know have some time to learn how these things work too.
3: Hardware, software, is there a difference between the two? Uh, they're, when you're bringing out new product or new service?
4: They're really, really tightly tied together, so it's it's rare that you'll get new hardware that doesn't come with new software. Um, we're seeing in your specific case that it's it was a really big pill to swallow all at once so the new hardware did come with new new server software to back it up and that's that's where things get a little bit more fun is is uh there's a lot more potential for disruption there and it takes a lot longer to to set things up and make sure things are working properly
3: what about testing it is it easy to test stuff whether you know offline or uh, do you have to have separate servers or separate systems um how does that
4: kind of work in the background from the from the technology end, yeah, you got to have uh, redundant testing systems and things like that. These days, it's it's relatively easy to set those things up because a lot of our servers are virtualized, and it's it's pretty pretty straightforward to set up a test environment. But the problem is getting the people to test it and making sure that, again, they stay productive during that testing phase, and that you don't. Uh, uh, exhaust their goodwill during the process.
1: When you're going through one of these processes to, to update or to upgrade, you got to do the backup stuff, right? Do, you, do, do most companies these days do that on the cloud, so to speak, on an o- online server, or do they need a physical hard drive or something to 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 back up their their material
4: well there's always a combination and and these days it's getting easier and easier to rely on the cloud as we as we give people new phones and new devices they find that uh they just turn them on log in and all of their settings and favorites sort of magically appear um but what happens is people tend to rely on that a little bit too much and that's where you got to rely on your your it staff and the people sort of behind the scenes to make sure that that provisioning service is backed up somehow. And this is what's really dangerous, especially when you're moving between technologies, is there can be gaps in those backups. So you got to make sure that that's all covered and and, and take a step back and look at the, the big picture.
3: And I think that the difference and the combination and the distinguishing between work information and personal information on your work devices is important. When we come back, we'll kind of talk a little bit about that with Kevin and the challenges for entrepreneurs. And
1: I believe, Josh, your new old phone had this little separator for work and play, right? Exactly. How's how's that working out for you? Uh, At the moment, I don't have that old phone, (laughs) so hey. Our guest on today's entrepreneur, Gary Blair of Image24, and Kevin Ammerman, IT specialist at Fuller Landau. We're talking about upgrading uh, your technology. Uh, More on that after the break at 7.53.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants, and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.55
1: on CJD 800, our guests tonight, Gary Blair of Image24 and Kevin Ammerman, IT specialist at Fuller Landau. And we're talking about upgrading, Kevin, these new technologies, uh, whether it's cell phones or computers. And uh, one recurring theme is this, this, uh, I guess, this... Uh, balance between your work life and your personal life, because many people have cell phones, laptops that have, you know, both of those elements in that. uh... When you're when you're buying this new hardware, do you have to, as a company? How do you get across those challenges? Do you have to set aside certain rules, saying you know certain things can't be found on certain devices, for example? Yeah, we try to make really clear to our staff that
4: they are owned by the office and that they are to be used for work purposes. And we own all the content and all of this kind of thing. Um, but there's a lot of pressure these days. Uh, it, it's uh, called bring your own device, B-Y-O-D, for people hmm. to bring in their own uh, their own phones, their own tablets and things like this and, and try to connect them to our work services. So we're trying to find ways to do this and to to allow people to use their their fancy toys and tools um because they they are very you know helpful in terms of productivity if people find that they're easier to use than their than their uh standard computers and laptops then you know more power to them but we got to have a way to control that and make sure that we keep things secure and that we don't bring in viruses or or that we don't allow our our proprietary or confidential information to, to get out to people. How often
3: would you check some of the hardware devices? Is, that, is there something that you should have a standard procedure in, kind of checking them periodically, or is it something automated in the background that's always happening?
4: Um, we pretty tightly control what can connect to our network. So that's that's a good way to, to maintain in sort of a first line of defense, is to make sure that people really can't connect with anything that isn't approved. Um, and then beyond that, you've got to make sure that you're running, you know, virus scanners and security scanners and keeping an eye and logging the traffic that's going through these devices. Communicating a plan, how formal should it be before you roll anything out? Um, it's essential, not only in terms of rollout, but in terms of the expectations of the users. So we, we have it built right into our policy manual, um, sort of the, the way that we expect the equipment to be used. And then we try to live up to that in terms of providing these these new tools and toys and and better ways to, to help make it easier for our staff to, to live up to what the, the policy manual sort of expects of them. So plug and play isn't necessarily so plug and play? No, rarely so. In fact, it's it's pretty rare that you can just walk in and plug something in and away it goes. There's, there's actually a lot of beso- behind the scenes work going on to make that happen. And I think that's the lesson. Plug and play isn't so plug and play and you better test and plan and
3: make sure when you roll it out, people understand that it might take some time. Thanks very much, Kevin. Thank you. And as we approach the end of our show, as we usually do, Dan, uh, we turn to our friendly entrepreneur that's sitting right next to us and say, Gary, what one piece of advice would you give to today's entrepreneur?
2: I I think uh, I think the advice that I would give was advice that I received many many years ago. I I was very fortunate in my business career. I had a lot of mentors who helped me along the way, gave me a lot of good food for thought. And one that stuck with me most of my life was a gentleman who said to me when I was a young guy, uh, "Don't work." in your business work on your business in other words stay away from micromanaging because unless you're willing to develop people and unless you're willing to put um, a certain amount of uh, liberty into their hands to help you build your business and let them do and let them run with what they do best, um, you're going to be running in circles. You'll never grow your business. And nowadays that's so much more important than it ever was before because as I alluded to before, we need to be on top of so many things. Technology is just one of them but it is such an important one in our industry and if we're not looking 12 months down the road then
3: we're not looking anywhere. And Dan, my takeaway and just two points just to to build on that is. It's easy to get lost in the details. Entrepreneurs, you know, you can really get lost. You can kind of delve into something just to try and make sure that one little bit is working properly. But if you do that and you ignore, as Gary said, you ignore the balance of the business and you're not working on it. You're not always taking that look from 35,000 feet to make sure it's going in the right direction. Then you can certainly lose out on things. And I, I would say my second point and my, one of my takeaways that Gary alluded to earlier is listen, Be open-minded and listen to others. Uh, People have a lot of input to give, a lot of valuable input to give. And if you can absorb that and apply it properly, a successful entrepreneur you will certainly be.
1: Thanks, Josh. And thanks, Gary Blair of Image24 and Kevin Ammerman, IT specialist at FullerLand now, for joining us tonight. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. you. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD 800 back next Monday night at 7 p.m. Have a good night.